Video Gamer Podcast number 492. Uh, getting on towards 500. I'm your host, Josh Wise, and I'm joined by Matt, who's currently downstairs. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. I'm in my dressing gown. I've got a nice cup of tea. Um, I'm I'm starting to feel a bit like, you know, like wintry, Christmassy, that sort of vibe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we talked about it last week, and I last week I hadn't done it, but this week I've gone uh, a little bit nutty on the festive filth angle. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. What have you, been have you Well, have you been in Tesco over the last... I think well, I noticed it in the last like week or so, but they've the the what the Tesco near me uh, has just got all the festive stuff going in. Okay, uh, they've got the little the little festive aisle of sort of <clears throat> how to describe them. I think they're called Rolitos. And okay, it's uh, I think it's it's a Spanish thing, and it's different kinds of cheese, like little bits of like Gouda, and then I forget which. Oh, and there's a cheddar one, and they're wrapped in different kinds of meat. Oh no! Uh, I love those. Yeah, so they're they're just incredible, right? Oh, and, and so good. And they're fe- somehow they're festive. I mean, it gets me festive. <laughs> meat let me and tell cheese, you. right? Meat and <laughs> meat and cheese. I mean, what you know, what what is there to dislike about that? And the, I, I just got to be careful when I open the pack. Make sure I offer them round to other people. Um, and you know, if I'm disciplined, put it back in the fridge before the pack is empty because. Th- it's in, it's madness. The thing I'll, is, they go down way too easy, right? But mm. if you do finish a whole pack, you will be sat there being like, "Oh god, <laughs> that's a lot of meat and cheese." It's a, and it's not it's, it's not it's not lean meat, is it? It's it's no, fatty it's meat not. and fatty cheese, and you're it's like, so oh. salty and yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no balance to them at all. That's what Christmas is all about to me. It's about food that has zero balance. Food it's with so no sh- balance, so then yeah. you don't have any balance when you eat yeah. it. You have to sit down. Yeah. Sweet, rich yeah. chocolate. <laughs> sweet, rich meat. Sweet, rich cheese. All sorts yes. and fat and all. Yeah. And, and I love uh, going into Tesco. First of all, I love not feeling guilty about certain things because it's Christmas, which oh, is yeah. great. Um, I mean, I very rarely feel guilty about anything I need, quite frankly. But. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, I'd still buy them other times of the year. I just <laughs> yeah. I might feel the slight pinch of guilt. But at this time of year, I just say, eh, it doesn't matter. For example, uh, just a lovely pot of uh, double cream. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, and that's going in the coffee as well, uh, obviously. Oh, that's, I like that. Mm, I like that mm-hmm. a lot. I'll do a nice strong black coffee and then top it off with cream. Then maybe, maybe even a little bit of sugar, which is kind of blasphemy. I, I never have sugar in my coffee, but every now and again, if I've got some cream, I don't yeah. know why. It just oh. Do you want um, me to tell you something that will blow your mind? Oh, go on. So, do you do you eat a lot of jam at all, or does your house? I I am a I am a I am a jam man. I do like my jam. I don't okay. eat a lot of it because I don't always think to buy it. But when I have it, it goes very quickly. Love jam. So if yeah. you finish a jar of jam. And you know you always got like jam around the sides of the jar, right? Yeah, like, jam yeah, residue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Pour like half half fill it with double cream. Oh my god. Clo- close the jam jar. Oh my. Shake it for like <laughs> three <laughs> minutes. And you end up with whipped cream <laughs> flavoured with the jam flavour. No. It's incredible. I did That's... it for the first time a couple of weeks ago with a, a jar of strawberry jam and I just had a beautiful strawberry whipped cream what and it gets the all the jam residue off the sides. Is it double cream or single? Did you... I did it with single and it worked. Double will whip 
easier, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I did it. I did it, with, I did it with I did it with single, and I was there for quite a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> but eventually, yeah, eventually, you just stop hearing cream go back and forth, and then you open it. It's just full of whipped cream. It's amazing. Oh, this is one of the biggest things ever. I've, I've got to get um, <laughs> to the point where I'm going <laughs> to go buy. I've got to buy jam. a jar of jam. I've got to eat the entire jam jar in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, I've got to do it. That's huge. I didn't realize this was a thing that happened. If uh, if any listeners, by the way, are aware of this, I'm already annoyed with you because you didn't. <laughs> email in um speaking of but- like festive treats though have you have you um have you had stolen bites from aldi stolen but no oh. this is the great thing that i i don't i got so many i got i got like two tesco's i got a waitrose i got a sainsbury i don't have an aldi something about london I don't know what it is. Those those real big cheapest, like, you know, like Asda yeah, yeah, and Aldi yeah, yeah. and stuff. They just they don't. They're further out somehow. They I don't even know where the nearest Aldi. I wish I did have one. But yeah, go, go it's, on. it's, it's difficult because because my Al, I've got Aldi and Lidl a five minute walk away from the house. But then I've got nothing else that's particularly easy to get to. Oh, so yeah. I do I I enviously look at like Sainsbury's and stuff like that. But yeah, so you, you know Stollen, don't you? It's like a German Christmassy yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I like and glorious, by the way. I do like it. Yeah, I do like it, but it's very. It's just it is like a sweet bread, and it's like oh, oh it's yeah. fun, but it's also a huge loaf to go through. Stolen bites mm. is like imagine you know dough balls from uh, Domino's, like the mm. twisted dough balls that are filled mm. with like cheese and garlic. Oh yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. that, but the dough is stolen bread dough, oh, and instead of cheese and garlic, you've got like mince pie filling. Oh. And then they're just covered in powdered sugar. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, my anger at not having an Aldi has been refreshed. Uh, I'll check the Waitrose to see if they've got anything going on like that. But <clears throat> yeah, that's, I that's my... I mean that's 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 huge. I, I, I did get two two different sorts of mince pies. Perfect, uh, good. So that's good. So I so I'm fully festive as of as of this week. Um, what mince pies did you get? I well I started off with just the basic like one pound for yeah. six, right? And then I but I like to go up and down the scale because I have found personally <clears throat> that when it comes to mince pies. Um, they don't really seem to have much of a relationship with money. No, it, you're right. It, 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 have you found that as, as well? Yeah, like, the most expensive ones aren't always the best ones because they might... It depends on your palate, right? I think mm. I, I like a mince pie that is actually really sweet. Mm-hmm. I feel like whenever you get up into the, the spenny mince pies, mm. they start to be probably better more balanced food that is like mm. oh there's like a tartness and there's is there like saying from like alcohol oh, in there and yeah, stuff like yeah, that yeah. often uh, often yeah and i'm like no no no. i want the slightly like cheaper ones with like thin, <laughs> thinner pastry and like sweeter mince pie filling and now i will say i do like uh when people keep it simple and and, and yeah. that applies for all foods i've pr- i think i've i've almost certainly <clears throat> said it on this podcast before but um People messing with stuff. You know those things where it's like the one person that got bored was the chef, and that's not my problem. <laughs> you know, it's like oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it's apple pie, but I've laced it with cinnamon and uh, alcohol. 
It's like, what? Wh- why? Like, oh, that seems pretty standard for an apple pie, doesn't it? Well, not alcohol, right? I mean, maybe no, cinnamon. Maybe the cinnamon. Alcohol thing cinnamon. Is a, yeah, the alcohol thing's a very chef thing, isn't it? Yeah, and you get that in mince pie. I think, like, the you know, the Heston Blumenthal mince pies, yes. where he goes nuts on it. It's like orange and whiskey or something. It's like, calm down, Heston. I just want a mince pie, you know? <laughs> but yeah, but you're not going to Heston for a regular mince pie, are you? You're no, going to Heston no, for that's... A- you, yeah. you you eye up anything Heston serves you with some sort of. <laughs> I say Heston serves you as if I'm like as if I got him as my personal as chef there, and not like he's kitchen. got food in Waitrose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got his blowtorch and his whiskey and his orange yeah. crate. Who knows what he's doing? But um, I have had his mince pies, and I will say they are very nice. They yeah. are good. They are. But good. if but, you do want like a basic mince pie, it's not going to satisfy mm, the same craving, right? Like no, for sure, for sure. And 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 I like going back down the scale as much as I like venturing up the scale as well yeah. with mince pies. And and it, that's not true for every you know food snack, but it's certainly true for them. And I'm and I'm bloody glad. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I got a weird thing for you, right? This week, <clears throat> I just thought I'd uh, put this one out there because I don't. It's kind of like a weird. It's messing with my head, and I don't okay. really know what the answer is, right? So, let me just set the scene for you. If I said to you, uh, <clears throat> "Oh, uh, Matt, uh, I've been playing The Last of Us," right? Yep. You know, a valid question you might have would be. Uh, which version? You know, you got part one, you got the remaster. You presumably not playing the original PS3 version. You know, it's like well, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that to you, Josh, because I would assume you were playing the original <laughs> PS3 version. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a fair point. But if I then said, "Oh, I'm playing it on the, the Vita," right? Yeah. And then you, you you'd be going, "Well, there isn't a Vita one. You you must be. You you mean you you streaming that through PS Now?" And I go, "Yeah." And yeah. you go. Right, well, that's the PS3 version you're playing, right? And I go, yeah, but I'm playing it on a Vita. That that wouldn't be like a Vita version of Last of Us, would it? No. No. Now, <clears throat> what then do you make of this sentence? Last night, I was playing Control on the Nintendo Switch. So, that is the Nintendo Switch version. <laughs> and I know that you <laughs> disagree with this. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> some, and I think it's the same with uh, Resident Evil 2 I think There's someone a few, said, yeah. said this to me the other day and they were like I think it was Control and uh, and I was like right is that what do you mean and they were like <clears throat> no I was streaming it and my thing is like I don't think that belongs on the Wikipedia like it's not on Switch you're so- yeah, I, I would say. What, what do you think? I will say. So, you, to be able to stream Control on the Switch, you have mm. to go to the Nintendo eShop and you mm. have to buy a copy of Control that is specifically for streaming on the Nintendo Switch. <clears throat> and if you, yeah. if that ever goes away or whatever, then mm. you can't play Control on the Switch anymore. And there's no other way to stream that version of Control you have. So I but would that's the argue. Same as PS Now. No, no, no but but no. So PS Now. Mm-hmm. You could stream that on your PS4 as well, yeah, and yeah, on yeah. your PS5, and you're not purchasing it for the Vita. You're purchasing a subscription so service which the, is accessible is... via Vita. Right, right. So you think it's it's the money and it's the closing of services that means that it's only available um, on one bit of hardware. I think it's the difference between like having Netflix, having the Netflix app on your TV, 
Uh-huh. Or like, so, okay, or you know, like, like PS4. If it's the difference between like having the Netflix app on your PS4 and watching Netflix on your PS4 mm-hmm. and then buying a film or renting, I'd say renting a film on your PS4, right? Mm-hmm. Is that sort of vibe. Like one of them is inherent to the system that you're playing right. it on and one of them is a general thing that you're choosing to, pl- to play on that system or watch on that yeah. system. I think I understand that differentiation. It's just that my thing is that those are differentiations of purchasing and renting and whatnot. Yeah. But my problem is that the, the, it's the word, it's the word, there's no version. You, mi- is- you might be paying the money or what it is. You know, fundamentally, I, in fact, I didn't even know what version it was because I looked at it and it looked Somewhere below a PS4. I mean, presumably, it's just running on a PC. It is, but I think it is specific to the Switch. It'll have it'll be at the resolution that like the Switch's screen is at, which won't be the version that's on anything else. So mm. I think technically, it is uh, if you're thinking what, you about think that, it'll be locked to like seven twenty. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. It'll be a specific version that's like crafted for the Switch, and it will have. I know this is another really stupid small thing, Josh. It will have like Switch buttons on it. Do you know what I mean? Like if it had like a control thing, <laughs> as like press. It's not going to say press X. Or it'll press have a- the switch. It'll, it'll have, have the, proper. The, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. question then: Why would they, in doing that, why would they limit themselves graphically? Then that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing because well, I think I buy that explanation. I, I think having the buttons maybe saying, "Oh, you can only get it on this system" or whatever. Like, I think I understand that. I still think it's a little bit, mm, but I get it. But surely then, if, if it's just, well, what you're doing is just streaming video, essentially. Yeah. Why would they not just go, yeah, well, actually, the Switch version of Control is like the most mad one with all the high graphics and stuff. They could actually I, free themselves, right? I think it's because, one, the Switch's, uh, like, Wi-Fi isn't great. Uh, so they've got to limit, they've got to, they've got basically got to make it as sort of, like, passable as possible, right? To be mm, able to stream mm. easily. I want to make it clear. I hate these games. I hate the stri- <laughs> I hate the cloud games on no, Switch no, that you no, have to buy. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to seem I like I'm defending the, it. <laughs> I appreciate the explanation because but, um, in my mind, the other day, I couldn't really get past it. And then I was thinking about Stadia and I was thinking, well, at least that's a, that's a sort of platform that you can actually yeah. buy. And the one thing with Switch seemed to fall somewhere in the middle because I thought control on switch that's the thing that doesn't really it and it is, it is exist, funny but it sort of does though you're right like you pay the money for the for the thing and you can only uh play i guess that means something actually weirdly the thing i might find more compelling is the graphics and the button prompts that yeah you i thought i that, thought that, that as soon as i clocked the button prompt thing i was like ah that's it now i've got him <laughs> like, now now that'll but, um, happen well and the graphics to be fair yeah, like like because I, I did look at it in action and think oh god that looks like a sort of pared down uh, yeah and it you is know, funny because it has you can have ray tracing on on control on the switch, but the resolution is always going to be sort of limited to the the streaming. Huh. So you can have very low res uh, ray tracing on the floors and That's stuff. That's like quite that. funny because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the first way that I experienced ray tracing was I downloaded the the, the demo, which is like for any of like the streaming games they let you download it and play it oh, for like yeah, ten yeah. minutes to be like, can you actually play this? And the answer <laughs> for control for me was no. <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh no, that's right. No, it was my my friend was playing Resident Evil Two. That's what it was. Okay, that's what prompted it. Yeah, it wasn't Control. It was the Resi Two remake. And I, yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, what a funny thing. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Ah, oh, well, thanks for clearing that. Oh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> jingle time, and then we're going to move into uh, some video games. Is what we're going to do. Oh, 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 God. Hot dog. Oh man, dog, D dog, 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 and dog, and dog, dog. Ah! 
Video games. I've been playing loads of them um, because I'm trying to catch up on game games of the year, game of the year stuff. I always do this in December. Yeah. I yeah. look around at what people are doing and I consult the lists and I start trying to hoover things up and I've played a few things. Um, before we get into that though, uh, one of our listeners <clears throat> messaged him and said, uh, it, well, I think, well, this one I'm going to address to you because I think you have. This one from uh, Valiant said, um, "Have you have you uh, had a chance to play Marvel Snap yet? And uh, what are your thoughts?" And now, didn't you say yeah. that you were playing that, right? Yep, I got minorly obsessed with it for like three weeks. <clears throat> mm. It's utterly addictive. It is a very clever take on the card sort of game. Mm. Like mm. really, really small decks that you build of like, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd say like 12, 14, 16 oh, okay. cards, if that. That feels too much. I think like 10 or 12 cards. Right. Um, And it, it, oh, it's, it's, it's a very, very cleverly made game. Mm. Um, mm. And so you build decks and it's very limited cards. So you think that limited what you can do, but the three different... Uh, You've got to control two of the three like columns mm-hmm. in the middle, and each column has its own ability based on like what place it is, and that is randomised each time. So even if you've got a deck that's really really good, if you get the wrong column sometimes, like you're like, oh, there's no way of me winning this very well, like unless I absolutely pull it out of the bag because this it doesn't flow with my deck at all, or oh, I see, or vice versa. So like there are a certain uh, selection of cards which are called on reveal and their abilities activate when they when they when they're flipped and Wait, so is the crux of the thing is it at, i mean this might sound like a silly question obviously right. but is it just snap like where you have to you know no. the game snap it's not no. that no 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 it's no. more it's more like something like a Yu-Gi-Oh or a magic or a hearthstone but really really filtered down where okay it's, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating game. Like I think you I genuinely think you should try it, Josh, because like from mm. a game design point of view, it's amazing to see how they've like filtered down the ideas of like a card game. Which I like I was I was into Yu Gi Oh when I was a kid. I was into Pokemon cards. Um, mm. I have like a I, I admire stuff like Hearthstone from afar because I, mm-hmm. I realized that I couldn't get into that without losing a ton of money. Um, mm. and, but this is one of those ones where I was like, oh no, this is like very very clever and I played it obsessively for like three weeks and then basically I hit like a rank <laughs> that right. it's like any game that has like that, that ranks you and moves you up and down based on your performance is that mm. you end up having as many like fun games that you win as like hugely frustrating games as you lose because you're playing against players of like similar skill level I just wasn't having that much fun anymore oh I see oh is it against other people That's yes like, Con- yeah, yeah constantly like um, and like when you start out you mostly seem to be playing kids who are picking their favourite Marvel heroes and not like sinking like clever cards together so you're absolutely smashing it for ages and then hmm. and then you get competitive and then like so I was I was, I was playing it a lot and like probably like 50-50 win lose hmm. and um once I hit a certain like ranking, and then you, yeah, you do get to the point where you're like, "God, I'm getting too stressed out by this." And I've put it yeah. down. And I've not really thought about it since. But for those brief oh. like three weeks, I was very impressed by it. Oh, okay. Like, it deserves okay. the plaudits it's gotten for like being I'll like. Well, I'll definitely have a go because uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people talking about it. Or they yeah. were at least. It's actually it's funny you say that that you sort of. 
I don't know if it's just me. The talk talk also seems to have died down after a couple yeah. of weeks. I heard someone because a couple of weeks ago I got the I actually got this question last week, but <clears throat> a couple of weeks back it was all over the place, wasn't it? People were talking about Marvel Snap left, right, and center. Um, really, yeah. sort of seemed like it sort of stormed the world for 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 a sort of relatively short time. I imagine people are still playing it, but oh, yeah. I, I imagine I think there's lots of people still playing it. I just think I think a lot of people might have had a similar thing to me as well. Being mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I think if you're a traditional video game player, like if you prefer to like play something, start something, finish something, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like three weeks for like a a live service like mm. evolving game like that is probably <laughs> about that's normally what I give a game like that like the same with like yeah. Overwatch 2 I do the same with um, with like Multiversus a while back like I get really into it I enjoy it and then I realise that I want to play something different yeah and not be yeah. playing the same thing all the time I, I get yeah I, I think I, to- I totally get I actually weirdly find with those ongoing games they don't really end uh, they, they tend to they get more of my time uh, the less they ask of it you know, yeah. it's it's a real funny thing if it's just like a vampire survivors thing. Well, that's not really a great example, but you know, a game which which is what it is from start to finish, take it or leave it. Well, it's sort I, of like, yeah. you know, we're going to ask for this little chunk off you. It's not much. You don't have to do much. <laughs> I, <laughs> they, I, they wrote yeah. me in really. <laughs> I've got that with um with Rocket League, which does have all the mm. stuff, but Rocket League fundamentally the gameplay has never changed. No, it if is you're what it competitive, is. So like everything is cosmetic on that. It is asking you for like money or like battle pass or whatever for. So I will mm. dip in and out of Rocket League forever because it. I, I if I play tomorrow, it plays the exact same game that I played mm. six years ago. There's a real like, comfort in that, isn't yeah. there? As opposed like, to yeah, whereas like Marvel Snap, there are new cards and stuff like that. So like if I came in now, mm. I'd get battered by a fucking I don't know like Hobgoblin. I'll be yeah, like, what the yeah. fuck is that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't it's know how meta, to deal with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough, but great for that little sweet spot when you're in there. Oh I yeah, mean, that's 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 where it's at. Uh, talk to me about <clears throat> just quickly because I know we 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 did uh, touch on it before, but you actually you you said what you you did what you said you were going to do, and uh, you've stuck with it, and you finished uh, Pokemon Scarlet and or Violet. Yes, yeah, I've got Violet. Um, you've got yeah. Violet. So, what are your sort of um, Conclude. Did you get on with it more? Did it sucker you in more? Yeah, I mean, the ending mm. was genuinely batshit, and I loved it. <laughs> like, right. In a it, good way, I guess. Yeah, like it was really, right. from a story point of view, I went to a place that I wasn't expecting it to go and hit oh. some sort of, yeah, some emotional themes that I wasn't expecting it to hit. <laughs> and oh, it was also oh, okay. like surprisingly cinematic for... A Pokemon Ooh. game and like yeah so I, I yeah I, I the ending sort of like lifted it for me and all, but it wasn't just the ending it was like the final few battles as well I found and I think this this definitely the the fact that I'm so positive on it after th- this clearly shows that I'm not as into the open world as everyone else is because <laughs> I think everyone else is so positive on it because of the open world and I got really into it when I was doing the Elite Four and mm. all of the fi- like all of your final um, there's like three paths that you do and all three of them have a big battle at the end of them. Um, oh, I see. And I thoroughly enjoyed them all because they're all they're all quite difficult. Like not yeah. not actually difficult, but hmm. it's been rare in a Pokemon game for a long time that I've had Pokemon like fainting consistently. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like so, like to get in through a battle with only like two or three Pokemon left, it feels like it's difficult, even if you were never really that close to like losing. Yeah, for sure. And. Um, and yeah, like, and they're all they're all sort of well thought out battles with like 
well put together teams that have to make make you think a little bit like you can't just because you know in like in Pokemon one of the things is like you're like oh I'm fighting the uh, the ghost gym you like, type well, it up you get some dark yeah. types well, like, yeah, well, yeah. You, but, so that's the problem it's not like I've got some dark type sometimes it's just like oh I've got a dark type and yeah. that'll just yeah, sweep just through yeah. yeah I've got a dark type it knows crunch and that will literally sweep through the entire thing yeah actually uh, sometimes never even mind stab just go for the move yeah um, yeah exactly yeah, whereas yeah. yeah this I have had to, I've I'm, I've had to think way more about a lot of the battles. And, mm. like, I sent out something and it got absolutely one-hitted by a move that I wasn't expecting that was super effective against me. Hmm. And, like, stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm I'm way more positive on it now. And I'm quite enjoying the post-game. Um, oh, I'm sort okay. of... I'm sweeping up the, um, the legendaries that only become available after the game. And all of the, uh, all of the gyms are now open for uh, uh, battles again. But all the all the lower ones, like the ones that you start that are like level ten, level fifteen, are all now up to level like sixty five, which is about where I'm at. So you get to go around and do all those again and see them with their like their big like six party teams and stuff, which um and yeah, and that's nice. And I still I still think the towns are the most disappointing thing in the entire game. Yeah, sound like it. And also so when you get to the end of the game, you go back to the school that you started at, Josh. Mm. And I, I, I shit you not, there is so much stuff in that school that I did not know was there, and it doesn't encourage you to go back to at any point. Oh wow! <laughs> There's All like right. you like build relationships with like teachers and stuff like that. Like you build like bonds with them and you help <laughs> them out with stuff and you have conversations. And Ooh. if it, if it was, and I'm like, oh, I would have been really into this, but it does one weird thing. Okay, and I'm, this my <laughs> I, I really it really bugged bugs me the entire time. So I just want to get this out of the way and I'll stop talking about Pokemon. <laughs> The school has loads of classrooms and loads of different things and stuff like that. It is not one cohesive building. You walk up a set of stairs and then it just asks you what room you want to go to and you just teleport there. And it's Whoa. like, it's like, oh, you've done this huge, big, open, interconnected world, but you, then you've re- you've not done the building. And it's like Pokemon. Well, one thing that was always like, a, you know, like in Pokemon, like you'd walk upstairs and up yeah. lifts and stuff like that. Yeah, and like, yeah. so it doesn't feel like a real place that exists. Oh, and I, and it re- it's really disappointing. Like, Do you know that really that, that 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 does annoy me because you know I, I don't want to moan about po- Pokemon's great. Yeah, I bloody love Pokemon. Yeah, I want to. One of the things that is sort of annoying, it's, it's like, um, <clears throat> you know, a friend of mine was saying recently about the uh, Marvel movies. And uh, no, it wasn't Marvel movies. It was one of the Marvel TV shows or something. Some Marvel TV show just had like, apparently anyway, I don't know, but apparently like really kind of like shit CGI. In oh, it. Uh, was it She-Hulk? Oh, possibly because it wasn't uh, gr- it wasn't great. Like the um, the CGI, the show was 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 okay, but like um, yeah, the CGI wasn't great for which for uh, her. And his sort of vibe was like, well, I you know, I don't care that much, but it is a bit weird when you're like the biggest entertainment conglomerate on the planet. Yeah. And you've got money that can buy governments, and you're okay with this thing going out the way it looks. Like, it's like, with. Like, I know it doesn't break the game, and I've had people tell me, oh, Pokemon's a really good time, you know, warts and all. But, it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but it sells more than fucking any game that comes out in any given year. Oh, yeah. And. You know, they are the, the sort of the biggest things on the Switch. Like, in a week, they'll do 10 mil. It's like. C- can they not, you know, I don't know, staff up or or like it's it seems bonkers. Well, I think that's funny. Why, 
I think that's why Arceus did so. Arceus, Arceus did so mm. well, right? Because <clears throat> it did feel like because it wasn't a main a mainline game like the other ones. It definitely mm. feels like they had a bit more, either a bit more time to do what they wanted, or a more clear vision that vision of what they yeah yeah sure. like they yeah. could cut out stuff without people being like oh you've cut out like a big part of the game or whatever yeah do I think you're right actually yeah it was on the one hand something brand which sort of sets yeah. them free and then also presumably some type because I know they didn't do uh, brilliant diamond and shining pearl so I know that Game Freak was sort of freed up to an extent to kind of work yeah you know, I, work I do on that one. yeah and that one definitely does feel it has its own it still has issues but it definitely doesn't feel quite as um held back mm. as yeah, Scott no, and Light yeah, do sure. in their moments and like yeah they've done the big open world and the trade off for that seems to be that you can't go into basically any buildings in any town <laughs> which was like I know it's a very small thing but it was one of my favourite things about about every Pokemon well, it, game before this was yeah. was getting to a town and exploring it and like walking into the houses and chatting to the people there. Seeing what people say. Yeah and yeah. like I, and it feels like the NPCs like have less to say than they ever have done before like you get so and I don't know if it's because because they've gone open world I feel like in the original Pokemon games sorry I've I've talked about Pokemon for more than I thought I would but in in the original Pokemon games um, because you were in a town and you had to be there and you like you weren't going to miss these areas right Mm. you'd often find like I don't know like uh, talking to NPCs would get you like a TM like a really good one like if you went to like Mr. Psychic in Saffron Mm -hmm. City or whatever yeah Um, or you get like important items from like chatting to people and stuff like that, and there's mm. none of that in Scarlet and Violet. It seems like maybe maybe the school has more of that, but in terms of like random NPCs in like towns, mm. they only they're saying less than they ever have done before, and like mm. Sun and Moon aren't my favourite games at all, but that they had like a lot of like weird moments with NPCs where they'd actually have like I don't know their own little weird lives going on, and they feel mm. way more static. So I think. The adventure side of like traveling to like a big open world and like finding Pokemon is really cool, and the way they presented that is really cool. Like especially later in the game, you find like groups of like five Pokemon, and it's like one of the evolved forms, and then like four little ones, and you're like, oh, oh that's a little family group or whatever. And like, mm. and if you find like Tauros out in the wild, they travel in like actual herds that are like stampeding across, and like mm. that side of like the big things, the big open world is cool, but then the civilization side of it feels. Like, suffers it feels like it. each town sort of feels like a wild west set mm. like it feels like it might be worse well be cardboard right like it's yeah. it's a very odd thing I and hope for a lot that they get sort of the opportunity to i don't know either have a, a smaller environment or you know what whatever whatever yeah, it takes to be just, able to do both of those things if they, yeah, yeah if they've worked out how to do open world now maybe they can sort of yeah best of both worlds right but it always feels yeah. like there's some there's something that's cut in recent pokemon games like something doesn't quite make it and mm. it's just yeah just a, a little disappointing but my, my overall but thoughts I'm enjo- whole, I've enjoyed it yeah I have and yeah. I, I've been I've been enjoying my last few hours of it in particular I, I'm going to check it out I, I, I'm going to I'm going to perhaps get it in the new year and have a little have a little noodle because but I never I never did uh, Sword and Shield so I've got to play a bit of Pokemon catch yeah. up grab, um, that off for grab Scarlet grab Scarlet if you can because then I can trade you anything that you need or mm. alright cool Violet I'll get on it. Um, I've been playing a couple of things. First of which is uh, Need for Speed Unbound. Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's really nice. It's really, really nice. And I don't know <laughs> what's going on with this thing, but <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I don't know where this game came. 
So it's Criterion. Criterion yep. are, are brilliant. They did Burnout. They did a load of stuff. They did a load of Need for Speed, actually. Um, though they haven't worked on Need for Speed since 2013, since Rivals, uh, which they co- co-developed with Ghost Games. And uh, so it's been a while since they've been in this series. They're back again with Need for Speed Unbound. The premise is classic. You're a street racer in a, in a place called Lakeshore, which is a nice... Uh, bits of LA, bits of industrial districts that you might associate with places like uh, Detroit or Philadelphia. Um, it's a real kind of mishmash, but definitely LA vibes, particularly in the downtown. They get a lot of rain as well, almost like a little Pacific Northwest mashup. Lovely little chunk of setting, Lakeshore. I do like it. Yeah. Um, street racing scene, illegal street racing. Uh, race, get money, use money to make your cars better, and also uh, your character who you can choose at the beginning and sort of customise. You can give them all the uh, all the gear. i got some feeler tracksuits going on. Loving that. Uh, you can get Puma. All the, they've got these real brands like Versace. I mean, it's, it's the EA money, so they get... Oh, yeah, <laughs> get, of course, right? They get all the, all the stuff. And, uh, and yeah, you know, it's, it's your classic setup. But well, it does a few things really, really well. One of them is that it harks back to Need for Speed Underground, and I don't think anyone would quibble with you if you said that that was the high point of this series all those years ago um <clears throat> although i know people liked uh, most wanted in particular oh, i loved, I loved was, most uh, wanted on the ps2 yeah mm, which was which was uh criterion and uh but yeah we're like by all accounts a very very good game and this takes from that it takes sort of in, in terms of its vibe it looks to underground you know you've got the big garish LED lights on the bottom of cars and crazy rims and, <laughs> yeah. you know, paint jobs from the Fast and Furious and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then it looks, you've got the police mechanics, uh, which Criterion did very, very nicely. So you do uh, the street races and the police come after you and you have heat that builds up and you have to go back to the garage and call it a day for the heat to die down again and then you go back out the next day and you can do events in daytime or you can do events at night the events at night get you more money and are more risky and altogether more difficult than the events in the day um there's a couple of key things with it uh number one the art style which um the art style as regards uh people human beings is really really cool um, it's cell shaded and it's really stylized. In fact, actually, uh, the thing it reminds me most of, uh, for anyone out there that may remember, uh, the, the cutscenes in the first Mirror's Edge. Um, oh, are, that's interesting. Yeah, it's what it reminded me of the most. It's like it's it's although they were not cell shaded, they were just a cartoon, I think. Whereas this is this is a weird and very kind of cool, attractive blend of the two styles. They look really funky. Uh, I, it, and then there's the other stuff, which is the all the graffiti stuff that comes out of you. Like if your car goes into the air, then yes. a pair yeah, of graffiti yeah. wings pop out and all that sort of stuff. Um, just a little kind of visual thing, or, or you get a little crown that like appears above your car if you if you reach first place. You know, stuff like that, which actually uh, I don't mind at all. Um, no, the, I quite, the, I quite the, like it. <laughs> I think it's quite a cool thing. And one of the one of the nicest things is when you enter into a drift because it's real arcade style racing with a nice hard edge is exactly what Criterion do very very well um every time you drift it sends up this really gnarly like purple multicolored cartoon hazy smoke from your tires which is really satisfying because you kind of lets you know that you're doing the drift perfectly how you need to do it and also just looks really really funky um 
They've got the takedowns as well from Burnout, which is which is great. Like oh cool, you just fucking wreck a police car, and they get the X goes through the police car, and it's just like that police car's done. Don't worry about it. Uh, you can do it. You you can also get totaled as well. <laughs> you can do it to your <laughs> rivals and stuff. But it's just really nice. Uh, arcade racing with all the customization that you kind of know the vibes from like Need for Speed Underground like ASAP Rocky is on the soundtrack quite a lot and actually appears as a character in game um there's there's just a lot of uh, different elements that come together you've got the criterion stuff that that you you know if you like that then you're gonna like this got the takedowns got a really nice setting and it's just quietly like I would just say a return to fun. I mean, I, the thing is, I didn't play uh, Heat from 2019, and I know no. that Rich really liked uh, it. Well, he didn't really like it. He just sort of said, yeah, you know what, that was just solid, and, and, and maybe a lot, a lot of people... That was the last hurrah for Ghost Games doing Need for Speed. Yes, and of course, yeah. He sort of said, oh, actually, that game was perfectly decent, and uh, people sort of give it a hard time, but uh, I didn't play that. But this, this certainly feels to me like... Uh, oh wow! Need for Speed came back. Like this, this feels like one of those yeah. moments where people will look back a bit like most what most wanted sort of seen as a high point. I think people might look back on Unbound and go, "Oh, that was when it kind of came back." Like that's a really really cool thing. Yeah, um, I I, so, yeah. I think um, so. I I will confess I played 15 minutes of this mm. in the week. <laughs> I um because <laughs> it's on EA Play, which you get through Game Pass, right? So, and there's a 10 hour yes, trial. Yes, there's a 10 hour trial. Yeah. Of it, yeah. So, um, so I played 15 minutes, and I thought it was very good. And I remembered that I'm really bad at racing games like this. <laughs> but I also didn't want to put the difficulty down, so I just sort of, uh, I just sort of stroppily put the controller yeah. down. But I, oh, that's the other thing, though. You might be a little bit. Um, I'll cut you some slack on that because I will say just just as a, one element of critique, the beginning to Need for Speed Un- Unbound, meaning its first few hours, are uh, strangely uh, tough. Okay. So don't feel too bad because they do. It is very much like yeah, you're going to come second and third for for a bit, and then but you're still going to get money though, and then you get the good stuff for your car, and then you graduate after about four or five hours. The game kind of opens up into okay, now you you can expect to come first in some of these races. I've got I've got, I've got it downloaded, so I might return to it over over Christmas. But I think oh, yeah, um, yeah, do it because I I I, I, I it's funny I don't, I don't play a huge amount of racing games. But I like I got very into like the Motorstorm series, but it was Need for Speed Most Wanted on the PS2 was the one that I really really liked, mm. and then obviously they they rebooted Most Wanted, didn't they? That was was that Criterion as well. That was uh, Most Wanted was Criterion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did the reboot for PS3, and I bought that, and I was well excited because I love Most Wanted. And I just mm. didn't click with it again. By all counts, it was you know a very good game again, but it just um, mm. yeah, I don't know if it's the sort of game that I really gel with these. Days like I think I, I could I think I can put like a few hours into a racing game and then be mm. like oh, I sort of wish I was playing something else. Like mm. I enjoy <laughs> yeah, my yeah. time with it, but it feels like I could have like. Do you know that is funny? I totally know what you mean on that. It's a very specific thing, um, and and I would say and it's tr- and I felt exactly the same way. I get it with uh, Forza. I get it with like F1 and stuff. I think I'm not sure what it is. I I wonder if a good story mode is hard to find 
in uh, in you know in a racer. Uh, yeah. Certainly, Unbound tries it on. It's got the it's got a sort of story with Rydell who's trying to do up his garage and stuff, and and, and his kind of proteges trying to you know race and get a yeah. bit of cash and help him. So may, maybe that'll make me sort of stick with it. But I I do totally get uh, what you mean. It's a very good genre for sort of sort of you sort of drift away from it. Pun intended, I guess. Yeah, and uh, it, it definitely feels <clears> like um, with this one in particular, like. Everything I've read from like critics has been like, mm. oh, you know, uh, best Need for Speed game in ages, Criterion at the best, like, da da da, fantastic stuff. Uh, I've seen basically no marketing for it from EA. Well, that's the weird thing. It just came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And the reason I say I've heard well, from what I've heard from critics is I've heard nothing outside of that, really. Like, no, no. And um, that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Is why well, I mean, well, obviously it's just a big game. I would talk about it anyway. But I did think to myself, like, I, I should, I should shout about this from the rooftop. Yeah, on, on the podcast because, because like, the EA aren't. <laughs> and I'm sure I, I, I'm a hundred percent sure that I've got like mates from school who you know buy maybe like one or two games a year mm. who loved New Speed back in the day, and we were well into yeah. this. Yeah, but, I texted a couple friends from back home just being like, do you remember Need Speed Underground? You should get this game because yeah. it's going to make you smile. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But, it, but I, I've not seen in like, I don't know, like I I watch a fair amount of YouTube and that tends to be like, I get a lot of gaming trailers because, you know, YouTube has all my data, so it fucking knows. Mm, it knows, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I find that interesting because I find, I find it really interesting what I do get trailers for. You know what I've gotten tons of trailers for recently? Mm. Octopath Traveler 2, which isn't even, you know, like, out yet. But uh, I'm getting constant trailers for Octopath Traveler 2. And I'm like, I've not had a single thing for Need for Speed uh, Unbound. Neither have I. No. It even even feels like they've... It feels like they with Unbound, they're like, it's nearly underground. Like, all the letters from Underground are basically in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they're trying to I think think they, they, they didn't have the... Not that they didn't have the confidence, perhaps, but just they just thought... Need for Speed is the kind of series where we're not going to do the marketing for it. Those that like it will like it. Heat wasn't a big success. We're just going to put this one out. I guess uh, fundamentally it has to be a lack of of confidence. But now after this one, I'm going to be interested looking to next year or the one after. If they go, if there's a bigger marketing push for the next one and they go, actually, Unbound sort of broke through. Now now, (laughs) now we'll spend the money on it, you know. (laughs) I'm slightly concerned you're giving a publisher like EA far too much credit for thinking about the critical (laughs) response, Josh, and not about the money. Well, do you know what? I read a press release for the... uh, No, it wasn't a press... I I think I've put it in the news roundup, actually. Where someone internally at EA is going, uh, said their quote was something, I'm going to paraphrase it here, so don't quote me on this, but they said something along the lines of need for speed unbound, uh, and then in brackets it was like, which is being praised as as as, as, as a return, as, as like a sort yeah. of comeback for the series. And this was an internal email that got circulated around at EA, so I thought, oh, okay, well they're clearly yeah. aware we'll, you know we'll see of course what I don't necessarily want though is, is the annualisation keep it to every sort of two or three years please because no, when of course, it's annualised it starts to go a bit it know. does feel like yeah I, I, I'm slightly concerned about um, about EA and this game and the lack of marketing because like I, I've worked in at a publisher before and I know how dumb they can be <laughs> in terms of being like well we didn't give this game any marketing but it did very poorly so let's not make another and like not being able to conflate the two things in their heads like why didn't this sell well well you didn't market it so like mm. 
Um, I'm slightly concerned about the future of like Need for Speed after this. If they're like, well, we made the best game in ages, but it didn't sell. So what's the point? Like, yeah, mm. it's um, yeah. But ho- hopefully, it might be one of those games that like picks up in the new year, right? Like EA might suddenly go all in on the marketing now they know it's good. <laughs> like yeah, now they're maybe. like, oh no, you know what? Actually, this is really good. This has a chance, and they might try <laughs> and give it a bit of a second wind. Um, yeah, like we'll, you know, we'll see. Hit it, hit it with a January discount and then get a load of a load of trailers up and stuff like that. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, right, it's news time. Uh, I'm going to get the jingle down uh, and we'll pick through the news. Uh oh. Do a little chicken manoeuvre. Uh oh. Little holes in the top. 100%. And it's the best deodorant I've ever used. So it's a stick. You know the stick. 100%. Wow. You don't sweat. You smell great. As evidence today. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. 100%. Do a little chicken manoeuvre. Do a little chicken manoeuvre. Do a little chicken manoeuvre. First item in the news uh, leaked gameplay from Assassin's Creed Codenamed Jade. Uh, has oh. appeared online. Is that the mobile which one? Is, uh, yeah, it's uh. a mobile game, and it takes place in ancient China, uh, and is being Ubisoft is billing it as a triple A RPG, uh, but you know on mobile. Uh, and the leaked gameplay, and I've seen it, and it does look impressive. I have to say, I did not clock. Uh, it, it was some ways through the video game. I mean, I probably outing myself as a bit of a bit of a fool, but uh, I was looking at the graphics, thinking, you know. Oh, right, yeah, this is the next big Assassin's Creed. No, 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 you know, got to the end. I, I, I did think, God, why is the UI so cluttered? Like, what are all these symbols <laughs> on the screen? And of course, then it's, oh, yeah, it was because it'll be a touchscreen. But, yeah, it, it was really impressive graphically. There's a fella running along the Great Wall of China and, and battling people and stuff. I, I mean, yeah, it didn't look like Assassin's Creed. It looked more like Dynasty Warriors, but, you know, there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently it's... Um, I don't know when it's coming. Assassin's Creed. It's, it's one of it's one of uh, several Assassin's Creed projects that are kind of up in the air at the moment. Um, yeah, it's not it's, up in the air. What I mean is, you know, that we know are happening, but that yes. we don't know much about, and we don't know when they're coming. But we know that the future is filled with Assassin's Creed of varying uh, hues and shapes. So it's, this one's funny, isn't it? Because it's a pretty it's a pretty transparent effort on Ubisoft's part to crack the China Chinese market with Assassin's Creed, right? Like that's mm. and then they they've done this before. They created like a Rabbids game that was entirely just for China based on Chinese myth. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh yeah. released it in China like months before it came to the West. Um and this is them being like, well, you know, mobile is the biggest game platform in China at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And we'll so to get Assassin's Creed as a big franchise, there we'll make one for mobile, big one for mobile, and we'll make it uh, set in China. Like it, it's just, and I think also the game is. Uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it is uh, apparently it's it it's co-developed by well, or, or, or I think mostly developed by Tencent in yeah. collaboration with Ubisoft. Exactly so, right. That's, so, I mean, I don't think that's confirmed, so don't quote me on that, but I think that's what people think. Um, um, I would, but yeah, they haven't commented on any of it, but it did just look like 
Dynasty Assassin's Warriors. Creed. I mean, I know I, oh, okay. I've complained. Uh, yeah, like that's the thing. Like it just doesn't. I've complained about it before, but like it, it, it just doesn't reset. They they weren't wearing any hoods. The guy just had a massive bow staff stroke spear on his back and just waved it around and killed a load of people. Like, there's no. It was just a big battle. <laughs> it, I want, I wonder, if you um, saw that, it, you wouldn't think. Or maybe you'd look at some of the UI elements and go, "Yeah, that's <laughs> Assassin's Creed." But like, if you if you could take those off and you just looked at footage of the game, I'd love to know how many people would be like, "No, this isn't." Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I wonder if this will come to um, to Switch in the future. Like, if it's being built for like yeah, a, mo- a mobile chipset, I wonder if yeah, they'll yeah. just be like, oh yeah, we can put this on Switch pretty easy. Yeah, or, or yeah, any number of things. Yeah, if they could whack it on PC, that'd be quite nice. Do you remember that Deus Ex The Fall? No, I don't. It was a prequel to a Human Revolution. Well, yeah, part of it took place before Human Revolution, and then... Uh, have you played Human Revolution? I... Oh, yeah. It's immersive Sims, isn't it? I don't, I don't really click very well with, oh, okay. with immersive Sims. Well, it, it takes place like, like just before and during Human Revolution, which was like the first big kind of rebooted uh, Deus Ex in 2012. Okay. But anyway, it was a, it was like a mobile game, uh, really good graphically. Um, and you play as one of the characters from Human Revolution, like before. But like then it got taken off mobile. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I don't know, money, presumably. Um, but and now it just sort of lives on PC, like it's been entombed on PC. It's like an originally <laughs> a mobile game, and it just lives on Steam now. It's the only way you can play it. Well, at least, but, at least uh, it's yeah. even on Steam, right? There's at least so it's many on mobile Steam, games yeah. that just, just disappear entirely. They just like. <laughs> go into oblivion, yeah, for sure. Um, Gorilla. Gorilla confirms that it's working on a uh, a co-op game in the in the in the Horizon world, the Horizon fiction. Yeah. Um, it's uh, which I mean, um um, I can totally see it. You know, I, I it's one of those things you hear about the multiplayer for a big single player game, and you kind of like, oh, not interested. This one though, I mean, if you just sort of look at what Monster Hunter is, and then you just sort of go. Yeah, we got to take down a big Thunderjaw, and there's like four of us, and yeah. we're all doing different traps and stuff. And and one it makes of us a lot is of like, sense. it actually just makes loads of sense. And to be honest, it seems kind of sweet. Like if it was like us four or us three, and we were like teamed up against a massive bloody Thunderjaw or whatever, I'd be well up for that. I say what's interesting about it because I, I'd be mm. well up for that as well. But the game you're picturing, does it have Horizon graphics? In your head, uh, yeah. Well, so, when so, you say graphics, do you mean art style or graphical fidelity? Uh, both, I guess. Are you, is it just Horizon, Food and West, but with four people, basically? In, in uh, what- yeah. Or, or I just sort of picked. I don't know. I weirdly, my mind's eye didn't go to anything that specific. I just pictured a big thunderjaw and a lot yeah. of people attacking it on on some sort of land. Because they, um, <laughs> because the the thing they the gorilla put out said uh, featuring a cast of new characters and a unique stylized look. Which I think yeah. is really interesting because that yeah. to me means it's not going to be that. And I'm, you know, what I'm picturing. And it's mm. funny because you brought up the Monster Hunter thing. I'm picturing Monster Hunter stories to mm. Monster Hunter, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, like that's that whole cell shaded bright. Sort yeah, of, that's uh, what I'm sort of picturing for this. Because especially yeah, if they want be. to go, like, if they if this can be like a live, even if it's a live service sort of co op game, you know what I mean, mm. like. I feel yeah, like yeah. they might be like, oh, we need to appeal to a slightly younger demographic or something. I can, mm. I can picture that. Maybe and not also, quite that, but I think for them as well, uh, I think you might be, uh, you might be right because I think 
they're probably going to want to draw a, 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 a line around it and have sort of clear blue water between this and the main horizon. They want to be very yeah. key. I mean, they even said uh, that the reason this was this was uh, thrown up into the news is that they put out a load of ad- job adverts for people to help work on this multiplayer thing. Uh, but it did. The studio uh, also did say uh, that they're going to carry on with the uh, with you know with protagonists Aloy's Horizon games completely separately. So they, I think they want to sort yeah. of calm people they don't down. Worry like, people don't do worry, they? this is yeah. <laughs> this isn't where we go. So maybe like a, a bold new art style, something like maybe something like Need for Speed Unbound, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, would help to sort of like separate it. Um, Amazon uh, has signed the, uh, the the next Tomb Raider game. It's publishing. Uh, the next Tomb Raider game, I think. Super uh, weird, right? Yeah. I mean, Crystal Dynamics is making the next Tomb Raider game. Crystal Dynamics was bought by Embracer. Embracer Group, which seems to be buying everyone. Uh, but Amazon... Amazon Games, which is which is a whole a whole weird one in itself, is doing the next Tomb Raider. Um it sounds kind of sounds kind of strange. I mean, have, has, have we had something like this before? Has well, not not before? when because Crystal because this is the weird thing, right? Because the whole context of this is Crystal Dynamics was sold by Square Enix to Embracer Group, which is the parent company of THQ Nordic and mm. a load of other publishers and like Gearbox now and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they're getting very big, and then so that happened, and then Crystal Dynamics very like was like we now have control of the Tomb Raider IP which is an interesting thing because it seems like in Embracer buying Crystal Dynamics it went well we're not taking the IP you have the IP as opposed to mm. where it's like Square had the Tomb Raider IP and Crystal just worked mm-hmm. on it mm. so yeah, it sort of sounds like Crystal Dynamics despite being owned by a one of the biggest sort of publishing groups in the world Embracer has been free to search for its own publisher for Tomb Raider Mm. Super, super interesting. I don't know if um, if Embracer just thinks Tomb Raider is too big a franchise for them to be able to success- successfully publish, or if they just if they're just confident in leaving that, or if Amazon are just throwing oh, enough money at it that they're like, well, yeah, let Amazon take the take the cost of it, and we'll take some money from that. There must have been a deal that's been worked out or something, but... Mm. Um, well, I- quote from the press release says that this is a game that we don't know much about, Oh, we know something about it. It carries on from the from the Tomb Raider games that we've had, the rebooted trilogy. It sort of picks up with a kind of older and more experienced Lara, or the Lara as we knew her in the older games, I suppose. Uh, it says that th- this game will, uh, quote, include all the elements that have made Tomb Raider one of the most revered franchises, giving players control over the confident and multi-dimensional hero Lara Croft in an environment that rewards exploration and creative pathfinding with mind-bending puzzles to solve and a wide variety of enemies to face and overcome. So it looks like more Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're a fan of that trilogy, then uh, good news for you, I suppose. Well, because um, I, know, I know Rich was concerned when they called it action-adventure, didn't he? It wasn't he, but that just sounds... I mean... Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, and it's, it is interesting, and they've, they've said that... They've said previously that they're basically they're, the next game will try and unite the reboot, you know, trilogy with the original sort of like um, <laughs> oh, core yeah. and uh, obviously like I, yeah they're just trying to bring that that I more confident could, yeah. Lara 
that sounded hilarious, but I think they've just been sort of spiritually in terms of the character, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, because again, because trying to actually it, unite those about, timelines would be insane. Yeah, it was going on about uniting the timelines was the phrase that they yeah. used, which made me laugh a lot because, you know... It sounds like a multiverse, do. doesn't it? Which everything's doing. Like maybe, maybe we get a Tomb Raider multiverse. <laughs> she finds yeah. an artifact that's like a portal to the multiverse and we get all the two, yeah. all the Laras from all the games. She's, she, if we have had evil Lara, she showed up in Tomb Raider Underworld, so oh, you mate, know. Imagine, imagine if uh, polygonal Lara came through a portal oh, and was just like in in the classic PS1 polygons and chat, just sort chat, of like chatting with the rest of her in the head yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, PlayStation VR 2 is getting a Fantavision game uh, and in fact it's launching with, do you remember Fantavision? I a, don't remember Fantavision but because I wrote the story I found out it was like a weird firework PS2 launch title yeah it was a launch title for the PS2 and it was very much sort of spiritually I kind of, well, well it's kind of a, it's, it sort of reminded me of Res uh, it had the it had the quintessential sort of arty arty wanky playstation uh, experience <laughs> yeah. which yeah, is always yeah, yeah. fun um but but actually quite fun i mean you, you're doing fireworks to match colors to make things explode it, it, it I, and i can imagine uh, that's just a pretty good idea with um p- you know psvr2 i know they had that res infinite which worked with psvr which was obviously you know what uh what they always wanted to do with Res, so I guess Fan Division not not quite as good as Res, but uh, you know that, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a there was a post on the PlayStation blog that said that it it has simple yet addictive gameplay, won't take you long to master the controls, uh, and the PSVR2 Sense controller provides an immersive experience for you to fill the sky with sparkling fireworks. So yeah, uh, sounds sounds. It made me smile. It was yeah. it was a funny little sort of ah. Oh, it's, it's a real throwback, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, uh, in in the in the in the Sony stable, uh, Sony has confirmed that uh, it's going to be fall, which is to say autumn uh, of 2023 for Spider-Man Two. Cool. Um, which makes sense because I guess it's going to be like next year's God of War. You know, they have that big uh, November, October, November game before Christmas. That's what everything will hinge on that year. Sort of. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it'll be great. But yeah, I'm super up for it. I like a bit of Spider-Man. Multiple Criterion uh, developers. Here's here's, here's an interesting... I think this is what we were talking about when we were were talking earlier about Need for Speed Underground. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Underground? That's a fucking... (laughs) That's a telling slip. Need for Speed Unbound. Well, over on gamesindustry.biz, there was a report. Uh, Matt Webster... uh, So multiple um, uh, developers who have been at Criterion for a long time. Um, Matt Webster, VP and GM of Criterion, uh, exec producer Pete Lake, uh, Alan McDermott, or McDarmont, apologies if I've mispronounced that, who's the head of uh, studio development, uh, Andre Shires, who's a senior technical director, and uh, Steve Uphill, the head of content, uh, have have all left to uh, quote explore new opportunities outside of EA. Uh, they've all five of those people have been with uh, Criterion for over ten years. Um, in fact, actually, uh, Matt Webster has been at EA for twenty three years um, and actually worked on the original FIFA. So, oh wow, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Like Unbound comes out and specifically 
five but it's like it's almost like they were like right we've finally done the good one now we can go now we can now we've set need for speed free we we will pursue we'll explore new opportunities outside of ea just after that game uh, goes out what do you reckon, interesting little thing what, i wonder if they're going to start their own little that's studio. what i was just about to ask you i was like what do you reckon the chances are that they start a new mm. studio and they do racing games again <laughs> like if it's like a sort of uh criterion infinity ward like respawn vibe There's where it's all, like oh yeah, yeah the people that did you know that worked on those games you love they're actually coming out with a new thing criteria well this is like a yeah this is like a constant cycle it seems like the north of england like there's just this constant cycle of um (laughs) a racing game studio popping up makes some good games gets bought by a big publisher sort of gets cut down quite a bit when the racing games don't sell well for the big publisher and they split Mm. off and they make their own studio and then that gets bought by like there's been quite a few of that has just happened with a lot of UK studios to the point where like if you dig into like the history of like Codemasters and you're mm. like well they bought this company and this thing and this company was actually originally this company and had a different name and they were with this publisher <laughs> like, you have to follow the, the line yeah, yeah, to there's, figure there's, out which there's a lot of that going on so um yeah, it just yeah. it seems like racing games are a bit of a can be a bit of a risk if there seems like they're not the most sort of like sustainable genre it's hard to tell when one's going to sell well and when it's not mm. apart from Although maybe... it doesn't help when ea buys out whole publishing houses and then, no of and course then no. sort of closes some of the slightly less successful ips even though they were they weren't unsuccessful they were just less successful and then consolidate so we get no more grid games oh, so, no. you know, <laughs> so you know some of that's uh ea but yeah so I, I know what you mean they're, they're trying to sort of spiritually follow who's who now is tricksy um last but not least in the most uh amusing and uh, silly news of the week. Uh, Hideo Kojima confirms that a Death Stranding movie is, uh, <laughs> is in the works, uh, which is funny because Death Stranding basically is a movie. Uh, there's a load of cutscenes in it, and uh, it had a load of actors that would be in movies and yeah. have been in movies. So, you know, but it also has gameplay. Um, he partnered with Alex uh, Leibovici's uh, Hammerstone Studios uh, to produce this uh, this film adaptation. Uh, this was reported by Deadline. Um, it's fully financed by Hammerstone, uh, although Kojima will have a, a producing credit along with Leibovici. Um, Kojima Productions US as well is, is, is sort of involved uh, Kojima said quote I couldn't be more excited about this new partnership with Hammerstone Studios this is a pivotal moment for the franchise and I'm really looking forward to celebrating with them in bringing Death Stranding to the big screen uh, yeah Leibovici said we are thrilled and honoured to have the opportunity to partner with brilliant and iconic Hideo Kojima uh, on his first film adaptation unlike other big budget tentpole video game adaptations uh, this will be something far more intimate and grounded uh, our goal is to redefine what a video game adaptation could be when you have creative and artistic freedom. It will be an authentic Hideo Kojima production. Well, there we go. There we go. What a bizarre... He's finally game. making a film, because he's clearly finally. wants to make a film forever. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so bizarre. It, I, it's just the same thing with Metal Gear. I just sort of thought, well, Metal Gear already is a film. In fact, it's longer than a film. So <laughs> it is funny when it's just like, yeah, you've got the most filmic or some of the most filmic games that there are, and then he, it seems so redundant to then cut it down. But 
could be interesting who knows Might be it seems like it's going to be like a different story as well so it seems that we're not just going to have Norman Reedus doing the same stuff on screen it, it, it sounds like it's going to be new characters and a new sort of like location and, and things like that so like I, I'm more actually interested in this sort of thing where it's like telling a different story in the well, same world have they said that or uh, the report from was it Deadline or was it the Hollywood Deadline. Reporter yeah. yeah yeah Deadline report from Deadline I don't know if they Deadline definitely put it in the article because they said it, it might was going to be sort of intimate and grounded but I don't, that, I don't so know so that was the direct that, that was the direct quote from the guys but I think the Deadline reported yeah, that was that Lee that said yeah that. I think yeah. Deadline reported that they'd heard sort of like separately that uh, the project like will introduce new elements and characters within the Death Stranding universe. Introduce new characters. Well, whether that will centre on new characters would be interesting. It'd be kind of nice if it like didn't involve the central story of the game. I would kind of like it to sort of branch off. And I'd hope so else. as well, because that's the thing I'm more interested in. Like, because there's a Horizon TV series which is doing something similar as well. Like, it's nothing to do with Aloy. Mm. Um, and I'm more interested in that sort of thing that expands upon the universe. Because... I feel like making an adaptation, stuff like The Last of Us, right? I feel mm. like making an adaptation like that is almost like an admission that people aren't playing the game and seeing that already. And I'm like, people, if you've already seen that story and played that story, like games are big now. Like you mm. can you can make an adaptation of it and expect people to understand that universe or not or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're getting way more like Uncharted and The Last of Us, right? Which is just like telling the same story but slightly differently. And yeah. they've already told pretty good that. stories, yeah. That Uncharted, uh, not Uncharted, that The Last of Us one's an interesting one, yeah, because it looks to be sort of pretty faithfully just going over the, you know, the ground from the game, which yeah. I suppose it going out to a different audience, I suppose. Maybe they're trying to target people that haven't played the game. Yeah. But then I guess a lot of people will watch it who have played the game because yeah. they get a kick out of seeing it on the... They sort of, I suppose they sort of win both ways, but... Um, yeah. No, I, anyway. I, I, I understand why they're doing it. I think just from a personal point of view, as someone who plays a lot of games and knows mm. them, I'm more interested in the stuff that is another story in that universe that like sits alongside the one the game has done. Yeah, well, for, for, it's really weird actually. I sort of, um, for me, it, it always depends like who's who's doing it. Like, the one thing that kind of intrigued me about The Last of Us was that it is Craig Bazine who did Chernobyl, which oh, I thought was excellent. Chernobyl was brilliant. Yeah, and like. So that I sort of thought, oh, all right, well, I'll sort of see what goes on with it. But when it's the, it's, it's just like the random, I've got, I don't know, you know, someone on Netflix has done a Splinter Cell anime or something, and it's like, I don't, I, for, for whatever reason, it doesn't, it doesn't grab me that whole. Do you want more stories from this like universe and stuff? I, I, I just think no, I'm good. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Depends depends on the universe, I suppose. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what I think. Perhaps Horizon maybe just doesn't doesn't speak to me too much. I think what it is on a fundamental level is that for me, it's very very rare that I would be interested in just stories from a universe that that was a game. You know. It'd be kind of uh, if if you when you sort of take the interactivity out of it because there's so many games that I really really like where if they said um, do you want to take the interactivity out and just experience it as a story there are so few where the for me the stories would be sort of good enough or interesting enough you know yeah yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in- interested in the Last of Us actually to see if it sort of grabs hold because you know for a lot of people who have you know watched 
things on TV, you know, the, the Walking Dead or whatever, if it just looks like another one of those zombie things, but this one's on HBO. It'd be, it'd be yeah. kind of interesting yeah. to sort of ask people who have no idea about the games, just like, are you, you, you interested in that? And they're like, uh, another zombie thing, you know, I don't know. I hope it does well. I hope yeah. it does well. Um, anyway, uh, it's about that time for us to get quizzical. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to see if I can summon uh, producer Dan uh, and we'll get down to it. Do you remember Bodger and Badger? Sure. Hello, it's that time of the pod. It's that time of the week. It's that time of the year. Uh, we've got to get quizzical. It's time for Boss Fight. We're joined uh, by producer Dan. Hello, producer Dan. How are you? I am wonderful, thank you. How are you guys? You all good? Pretty good. We're all good, good, yeah. yeah. Merry, Again, Merry Christmas and all that. Yeah. yeah, I guess this is the uh, the last one before Christmas, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm not like I haven't even talked with you guys properly. It was quite funny actually. Like well, earlier, I was sort of saying, seven days to the twentieth like, of December. <laughs> well, we're not going to do one on Boxing Day <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> That'd be insane commitment. So I think I just at the end I just said, uh, "Have a good one, listeners." So, <laughs> but yeah. So I guess this one sort of decides who who's well, Christmas number one yeah, exactly yeah. yeah although if Matt wins then it's just drawed it's drawn not that's drawn one isn't it yeah I was going to uh, say I'm definitely oh, not it? losing this against yeah. Dan there's no way I'm losing well well alright <laughs> there's only three uh, oh well, I suppose no hang on yeah because Rich might not be back until like we might get you guys on again in the new year I guess right so oh yeah Rich is back on I want to say the 10th of January so yeah so there might be like one yeah so, so it's not all to play for right now we could say it's all to play for in 2022 exactly but yeah <laughs> yeah well to be uh, fair I, I'm I, I'm gonna run a Twitter poll asking if people want me to step down as co-host and I'll, I'll abide by the results of the poll. So, uh. Great, let me know when that is. I'll get a load of <laughs> Excellent. Right, okay. Uh, you know the rules. You've got to guess the business, the organisation, the setup, the structure, the foundation, the institution, the group, the hierarchy, or the team uh, from a game of my choosing. I'll personify that boss fight. I'll give you the clues. You say stop. I say your name. And then you may go down in history. Who knows? <laughs> uh, clue number one. Because of a certain strained business situation, my original site was burned down in 2008, uh, but was then rebuilt in 2009, and uh, was still in operation as of 2013. Okay, no idea. I don't even know where to start with that. No, yeah, no, right? There's too many dates. Usually I just yeah. start the one date that I can work from. <laughs> It's like 808. And also, I can't work out if these these are in the fiction or not in the fiction. It's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And it could be from a film that he doesn't tell you about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Clue number two. Clue number two. You can use us by phoning. Or, and and if you phone, we'll get someone out to you as soon as possible. Or, you can stop by the depot in person. Wow. Stop... Matt Lorigan. Is it Los Santos Motors from GTA 5? Incorrect. That's a good guess, though. Clue number three. I am located... It would have been GTA 4, by the way, Matt. Sorry. I am located on the corner of Cisco Street 
and Iroquois Avenue in Broker. What? Clue number three, four, four. Uh, The player can do jobs for me and will receive a pretty nifty perk for increasing their friendship with my owner. This has got to be GTA, but that that was the only thing that I knew, so I don't... (sighs) Clue number five. I was built... Or at least co-created by a Roman. It's so obviously GTA Four, but like I have no idea. I well, can't be both, GTA right? 4. If it's if it's still around in GTA Five, because that was twenty thirteen. That was one of the dates. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Is it stop? Dan, producer Dan, Dan Webb. Oh shit, no. Um, no, I, no okay. I was going to say Los Santos Customs from GTA 4, but it wouldn't be in Los Santos Customs in GTA 4. Like, I genuinely can't remember GTA 4 at all, to be honest. Well, I, I will accept a, a range of answers. I mean, I've written down the answers I will accept uh, for the question. If you uh, think you're on the right track with the right game, then I'll let you uh, crack on. But uh, go through the clues again for you. Um, Stop. Uh, Matt Lorigan. Lost Santos Customs from GTA 5? Incorrect. Okay, just making sure that Dan hadn't absolutely fucked it there. That'd be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stop. I'm going to scramble them up. Oh, oh, producer Dan. Oh, is it the Cab Depot from GTA 4? Incorrect. But it's close, because didn't Roman have a cab? And didn't that burn down? I'm giving you clues here, Matt. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm but surely that's that's got it must thing is it's gotta have a name. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Like and I thought it was like the cab depot. Stop. Producer Dan. Is it what else burnt down? Is it the lost MC Clubhouse from GTA four? Incorrect. I'm just trying to think of buildings that burnt down in GTA 4. This is when not playing the GTA games, really. If it was something for GTA 5, normally my writing all the GTA Online updates helps me with this. I'll go for the clues again. Uh, Clue number one. I'm located on the corner of Cisco Street and Iroquois Avenue in Broker. Clue number two. Because of a certain strained business situation, my original site was burned down in 2008, but was then rebuilt in 2009, and I am still in operation as of 2013. Number three, the player can do jobs for me, and will receive a pretty nifty perk for increasing friendship with my owner. Clue number four, I was built, or at least co-created, by a Roman. Clue number five, I've got it it as well. Matt Lorigan. Is it Roman's? Cabs from GTA 4? Incorrect. Stop. Producer Dan. Is it... Oh, what's it called? The uh, Express Car? Is it Service from GTA 4? 
And this week's winner, oh good my lord. God. I wouldn't well have thought. Well done, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, my heart goes out to you, Matt, because of the ones I did write. I wrote down a range for this. It's actually quite nutty that uh, producer Dan got the actual name. But the ones I would have also accepted, it's referred to as a lot of different things. Uh, the closest one to a kind of colloquial answer is Roman's taxi service. So you came very close, I guess. Oh, uh, bloody hell. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I Express car service. Uh, I would have also accepted Bellic and Bellic Enterprises, Bellic Enterprises, Bellic Cab Service, and simply Roman's taxi service from GTA 4. But yes, well done to producer Dan. To be well fair, done, that's, that's kind of in my wheelhouse. But it's yeah. been so long since I've played it. But yeah, I feel I, I, I get quite unlucky because I feel like I do guesses for the things that are in my wheelhouse, and then Josh th- goes, "Well, I'm never doing that." that- yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Whereas I don't say anything, and then he'll do something in my wheelhouse, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, no, that's yeah, because sure. you're because you're yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like, "Oh, Dan's played that." But that was the first uh, thing I one, guessed. One, I just got the name yeah. wrong. One day it'll be uh, Gadgetron, but until then. Or the Federal Bureau of Control from Control. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Or, next, uh, next week, right? Rapture from Bioshock or, uh, you know, any, any number of things. But yes, uh, well done, producer Dan. We'll continue the quiz, I think, in uh, January. But for <laughs> now, 2-1 to, uh, to Dan. Everything to play for in the new year. Thank Suck you very it, much. Matt. But it's about time <laughs> that we hear from our listeners. I'm going to speak to HR. <laughs> when you tie your shoes and you do the bit where you make the loop goes round rather than tying double knots on your shoes just go round twice because they never ever ever come undone and you can then undo them just pull 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 at the end of the day never ever 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 come undone questions theories comments and queries you send them in we'll talk about them this from joseph murphy uh what are matt's thoughts on crumpets uh and the caramilk slash caramac situation Oh, love crumpets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've got I've literally got some waiting for me for when this podcast is over. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I butter, butter and jam, butter and cheese. All mm-hmm. all good options for a crumpet. Um I do think you need to toast a crumpet for longer than bread. I, oh I, yeah, yeah. I like yeah, to yeah. I like to get a li- just a tiny little bit crispy. What sort on the of brand of, of uh, crumpet you go for? Normally just Warburton's purely because they're in Aldi, mm. but every mm. now and again, like this time of year, Aldi will have like uh like a specially selected their own brand crumpets. I do like to get those every now and again as like a nice mm. a nice little treat. And I've had like sourdough ones before, and that was one of those oh, things. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Um but ultimately not as good as a classic crumpet because the taste mm. sort of overwhelms the, the topping a little bit more. And yeah, caramel sure. is delicious. It's so sweet, and I've got such a sweet tooth. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I love absolutely love a caramel. What, what's your take on caramac? Oh wait, is that what is it? Wait, which one's caramac? So caramac is the one which is in the sort of red and gold pack. Oh, uh, I'm not as big on a caramac. Is that the one that's quite sort of fun? Is it is is a caramac quite crispy, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I think you might be thinking of something. A caramac sort of give, gives gives way. It's sort of like a creamy caramel. Oh, I think it's a lot. Got, I think it's like a caramel. Yeah, it's, it's quite similar. Well, I do like yeah. that. I like I like that kind of like white chocolate caramel thing, like a gold mm. bar as well. Like I mm. absolutely love a, a gold bar as just like a little a little snack. So yeah, anything that has that like yeah white chocolate. Um, mm. Oh Oof. oh minor snack watch update, Josh, because I mm. forgot about it. Do you, have you, do you have Tony's chocolate at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
they they have a gingerbread one, and normally oh. I, I hate I hate gingerbread yeah. flavored stuff normally because it's overwhelming. I've, yeah. It's perfectly balanced between chocolate and gingerbread. That one is good. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, they get they they do get the balance on that, uh, and it is it's filthy. Uh, that whole brand is 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 fantastic. Oh, so stuff. good. I'm a big big real treat, right? Because it's a little bit spenny, mm. but when you buy, yeah, bar, it's like oh. it's a bit much. Um, but yeah, get one every now and again. Great treat. real treat. Yeah. Uh, this from Ross McMahon less about game of the year more about snack of the year uh, which is something we could, uh, could could think about snack of the year I'd have to go through the list um, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to think off the top of my head what I'll counts what? as a snack as well Pot like, pasta rates highly. I know I've spoken about pot pasta multiple times uh, <laughs> in the last in the last few weeks, but both the creamy carbonara and the bolognese. I'll think about coming up with a special category for us to do. Yeah, um, maybe you know in, next week or in the new year or something, and we'll sort of try and come up with uh, our, our definitive snack of the year because that that we could, do, we could do we could do a we could do a non-vegan one and then we could do a vegan one for rich. Yeah, vegan snack of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, we'll take that under advisement, Ross McMahon. I'll make a note of it here. Uh, this one from Michael. Uh, was Babylon's Fall uh, the worst misstep from a studio ever? Uh, I can't. <laughs> 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 Probably not, is my immediate answer to that, but there you go. Uh, I can't recall another game uh, that shops gave away for free as the servers were going down. And so the discs would be pretty much just a paperweight. I think it uh, is. It's definitely one of the most, one of the like the worst it is one of the. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say I wouldn't say it's the worst misstep because they didn't put all their eggs in that basket. No, that's so true. So it's not yeah. the downfall platinum. Like if that was the only game they were bringing out, right? Like, yeah. and it had been this bad, you'd be like, oh, platinum's dead. But they if also it was released like a sort of. Yeah, like uh, I'd say that like a bigger misstep. Well, also like yeah, with misstep, if you count the misstep as a game rather than anything else, because there are other missteps for studios to make other than just games. If you know what yeah. I mean. Um, but yeah, it, it, in terms of a game that is in itself a misstep, like Duke Nukem Forever took like ten years to make, <laughs> and like they put loads of money into it, and uh, you know it came, <laughs> it came out. I guess with this one, there's an element because it was like it was online, and if they turn the servers off, then that's sort of nuts when you've got physical releases. Um, I mean, and yeah. that stuff does happen. Uh, like it, like it does happen. It's just that it doesn't always happen with games that also got a physical release, which makes it seem worse. But yeah, do you remember uh, that weird thing? Was it? It was a hero shooter, Crucible, that yeah. Amazon made, and then, uh, th- like, I think months later in the same year, they just unreleased it. Yeah, no, I know. And they're, like, even just like, yeah. even Ubisoft, that Hyperscape Battle Royale they tried to yeah. do, yeah. like, it lasted yeah. a little bit longer, but not. You know, not hugely, mm. and there was no one really playing it at the time. But I think, I think Babylon's Fall was one of the biggest, most high-profile failures. Not just because people release decent live service games that don't pick up, right? Mm. Like Hyperscape, yeah, yeah, by all yeah. accounts, wasn't a bad game, um, mm. and that Crucible game was, was, by all accounts, like not a terrible. It game. It was meant to be all right. Yeah, yeah. and like, uh, yeah. what was the one? What was the one that came out at the same time as Overwatch? Battleborn was that it? The the Gearbox oh. one. Yeah, ba- yeah, Battle was that? Yeah, was it Fortnite as well? It came, I think Fortnite and 
was it was it was it oh yeah possibly uh, it, and like, it came out around the same time as a, as a few yeah. and then it, yeah and again yeah. By, by all accounts not a terrible game just wrong timing but yeah Babylon's Fall also actually just like completely lacking in I, I cannot play that game and tr- work out the what the creative direction is like I I, no. I can't anyway like it was so nothingy to me yeah it was it was um <clears throat> it was like it was a total bland but yeah it, I think it does also it does sort of make it a little bit worse when they're physically released because none of the other examples I don't know if Battleborn had a physical release but that idea of shops giving it away for free because it was just like yeah. you know just dead dead physical software that does make it seem even worse yeah it adds an it adds a nasty edge to it. I guess. It does, it's definitely yeah. up there, and also yeah, because it's it it doesn't help that it's like platinum, which is such a sort of. Well, I say that they, they, it is a celebrated developer. Yeah, there's two versions of platinum, yeah. isn't there? There's the one that exactly. also made the the Legend of Korra fighting game <clears> that was <throat> terrible and like yeah, 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 for sure. And the and the sort of Transformers and the Ninja Turtles stuff, and then there's like you know Astral Chain and Bayonetta three, and you know the really really good platinum. So so yeah. It's a bit of an odd one. Uh, this one from Coops. Uh, he says, "Have a good Christmas, fellas. What Christmas foodage are you looking forward to? Uh, it's the honey glazed parsnips for me. Oh, do do like a honey glazed? Uh, me parsnip. too. Yeah. Um, I so I'm up at my wife's, my my in laws for the first time this year. So we've Ooh. always we've always gone to our respective parents, uh, uh, families previously, but we they lived near each other until recently so what we we did was I'd go to my parents three hundred go to hers and mm. then uh, when my family got too drunk in the evening I would <laughs> I'd be like no too much this has all gotten very like and then I'd get a cab um, like you know 20, 20 minutes down the road to Rianne's parents so we still had Christmas together whereas like now they've moved up to Norfolk so we are I'm up in Norfolk for the first time so I don't actually know what all the what all the, their sort of Christmas traditions are. What's um, the, whereabouts in Norfolk are they? Uh, uh, do I want to say that on the podcast? Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, not, not the road name, but just <laughs> uh, but near, near, they're near the coast. Yeah, um, not not Norwich. No, no, no. They're, they're closer to the coast than that. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, and, and yeah, so like, but I, actually, I tell you what, I'm quite excited about pate. That's Ooh, like something that you only yes. really get uh, around Christmas and all the you know like the cheese selections because mm. I love a bit of cheese but I normally buy like one thing and then work my way through it but whenever it's Christmas you're like oh just get five or six in and just like yeah. start going oh. to town on that um, um, yeah Christ yeah and and, and uh, I mean Yorkshire puddings uh, I mean all always always love a Yorkshire see that's interesting I love though, all of it because not everyone would have Yorkshire puddings at Christmas because people are really funny about having them with like beef specifically Right. Oh, right. But I'm no. I'm the same as you. I, any big roast dinner, you have got to have some Yorkshire's in. Do like a bit of do Yorkshire. You, what do you do with Yorkshire's? Because I I like to get the little ones and I like to <laughs> fill them with a little bit of all the food and then just like yeah. I think it's quite them. important. Yeah, yeah. That and the gravy dunking as well. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I like a little Yorkshire like mini cup meal. Definitely. Ah, great. Um, also, just little little pigs in blankets. Oh my god. And just the, just the whole the whole. It's so difficult to pick out one element because I just—I actually really like a Christmas cake as well. Do you? That's interesting. Yeah. What's Christmas your pudding? I should say. Do you, do you guys? Are you guys quite traditional? Do you do turkey? 
Uh, my mum will generally do like a mix, like it'll be turkey, but then she'll have like a backup thing that's just like beef or something like that. Oh, okay. She'll we'll do like quite big dinners, so it's like the turkey's there, you know, for the for the for the people that want it. I always have a turkey. She gets she gets a pretty good one from the butchers. Because turkey can be quite dry. Well, yeah, um, so that's why my family stopped doing turkey ages ages back because my mum just decided she didn't like it. So mm. for me, um, Christmas dinner is always uh, shoulder of pork. Uh, with crack- oh, with, crack- right. with yeah, crackling, yeah. so like I I associate like um with cr- like a nice bit of crackling with like Christmas dinner as well, mm. and then it will yes yeah, so it'll always be like a shoulder of pork that's cooked for like you know f- five hours in the oven, so it's like falls off the bone, and then you'll have like it's a glazed yeah, and then you have like a nice glazed ham as well that gets sliced. Oof. Oh, I'm very hungry. I've not eaten yet. <laughs> this one from uh, Vitali Savadsky. Uh, it says, what is the most overlooked uh, video game score of the past two years? Sonic Frontiers. O- overlooked. Oh, Sonic Frontiers, blimey. Yeah. Uh, I've not played Sonic Frontiers, so I can't vouch for that. It's, it's just really good. <laughs> like, It's not necessarily mm. even my genre of music, but it just goes... It's, it's the one thing in, in Sonic games, and like this one in particular, if it's the most confident thing in the game is the music by far. Um, there's, I don't think it's supposed to say. So like when uh, you, there's multiple like big boss fights in the game, where you turn into Supersonic and they reveal that in like trailers and stuff like that. And um, oh yeah, yeah. And so like the, like regular sort of exploration of Sonic Frontiers is quite um, quite funny because it's all like tinkly piano music, like uh, like Zelda and stuff like that, and it's which is very funny. And then you get into these boss fights, you turn into like Supersonic, who's basically you know Goku from Dragon Ball Z. Mm. And it just goes into this mad, like, uh, sort of like pop punky. Um, there's so many like different genres going on that sometimes you get a little bit of metal in there and stuff like that. And the songs for each boss just go so so hard, and they're so good. Um, so yeah, I, I think Sonic Frontiers is a very very underrated uh, soundtrack. Um, underrated hard though, because like my other thought is like Plague Tale has a, an amazing soundtrack. But mm. I think that's pretty well accepted that that is. Like, I don't think that's yeah, underrated. Yeah, it's, it's always sort of like, if it got like a, I don't know, like a nomination at the Game Awards, is that is that like it being rated? I guess it is. Yeah, I exactly, that's right. like a sort of recognition. Um, yeah, I suppose the Game Awards has had some some ones that I would personally not have chosen, but that doesn't mean that the, the sort of runners-up are underrated because they've kind of been recognised. Um I would say uh, of the last like two years, um, I think uh, Howie Lee's uh, soundtrack for Sifu is excellent. Oh, that's a good shout! I like that. Good. Don't think it was even nommed at the Game Awards for soundtrack. Not that the Game Awards is that much of a bellwether, but there you go. Um, I really like the word "nommed." By the way, (laughs) just as as a nice shortening, I like that. Uh, no More Heroes 3, I think it was um, Nobuaki Kaneko, and I think also Suda51 did some guitar work on that. There's the really good thing called Ease Theme from No More Heroes 3, which I couldn't stop humming for a week. I thought that was just a really interesting game, but that's a cool one. the soundtrack I thought was I thought was excellent. But I have to say, probably of the lot of last like couple of years... Uh, one of the ones which has like never really left my 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 brain was um, uh, I think it's Kenneth Kenneth Young um, did the soundtrack for Astro's Playroom, which was just oh, phenomenal. That's a great shout. 
That's uh, a really never good really shout. never really left left my memory. That I just thought it was top top stuff. I was humming it for days after playing. I can hear game. it. I can hear it right now. That you said yeah, that. same like, same yeah. Um, and that wasn't that wasn't like I don't think that was particularly recog- again tough to gauge what's underrated. But I don't think it was massively uh, recognised. I don't think it was didn't show up at the game awards not i don't remember people talking about it that much i remember a few people going oh yeah some real stuff that you know earworms sort of stuff but yeah i thought it was terrific yeah i mean like so i'm I'm trying to think because like i don't know like hades is a great game i don't hear Mm. a soundtrack talked about huge amount but that's all i do but then i live in a sort of uh semi hades household (laughs) one of one of one of our flatmates yeah it always feels like whenever someone praises hades it could just be anecdotal obviously but whenever anyone praises hades i always feel like the soundtrack praise is never far behind i've heard that so often that's completely fair um oh kina kina bridge of spirits had a really good soundtrack oh that's that's yeah yeah for sure yeah, that that was that was really nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, it was the best bit of that game was the was mm. the music and the the visuals. Like, I really, I, like, you, I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it really was. And also, similarly to uh, to, to to that game in in its like style. Now, this one this one was recognised, and in fact was I think nominated for best soundtrack, but I think it lost. Uh, in fact, I think it lost to. Final Fantasy VII remake, but um, Gareth Coker's score for Ori and the Will of the Wisps is oh, phenomenal. Sorry, stuff. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not even. I mean, like, that's oh. that's not even so. I would argue it's under, even though it's rated. Yeah. I would argue that it's underrated. I think that's one of the best soundtracks of the last like five years. Um, he, uh, he did. He did the soundtrack for Immortals: Phoenix Rising as well. Yeah, he, which yeah, he I did. think a lot of people yeah. may have overlooked that game, but that had a mm. that had a good soundtrack that one actually yeah yeah and like i I guess like a few things going for it generally that not not i don't know don't know if it's talked about that much but i heard that game generally was just pretty good i really liked Um, it it's 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 nothing groundbreaking but um but it's a really nice it's a game that you can really just keep playing like there's nothing to stop you from playing it and you just keep going and keep going and then you're like oh i've three hours into this i had fun (laughs) i had fun doing it yeah for sure he also did Gareth Coker uh, did the, or at least did work on the soundtrack to Halo Infinite as well, which was one of the best things about that game. I mean, the soundtrack to Halo is always one of the best things about a Halo game. Yeah. Um, but he did really good work uh, with, uh, with that one. Yeah, he's but, one of those ones I yeah. always keep an eye on now. Like, um, mm. yeah, I, I can't think of I can't think of a composer whose whose name I know so well and look out for since honestly since like the likes of like David Wise. Like <laughs> is is he is that sort of level for me where I'm like, oh, he's on it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, that will just about do us, I think. Um, thank you very much for your questions and queries and comments and theories, and we hope that you have a good Christmas. I don't know. I don't know what's going. I don't know if we're doing one next week or not. I don't know. You might hear from us next week. Probably not, actually, because it's like the betweeny bit. This might be the last one. Maybe you'll hear from us in the new year. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to see what goes on. Uh, you may hear from us next week. Who knows? Um, don't go on Snapchat. Don't go on Instagram. Get yourself on Twitter at Joshy Wise at Matt Lorigan uh, at underscore Dan Webb. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, thank you very much to Andy B, Adam Cook, and Colm Hearn for the music, of course. Um, and yeah, you'll 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 hear you'll hear from us again soon. I would say. Uh, podcast at videogamer.com is the email for the longer questions. By the way. Uh, but yeah, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. 
And it's goodbye from Matt. Goodbye. Goodbye.